Checkpoints, the video game book club podcast. Today, we're starting a discussion on Detroit Become Human. I'm your host, Marcus, and joining me today, as always, are the homies. First off, we have Greg. What up? Next, we got Trevor. What's going on? And last but not least, we got the homie Dante. What does it mean to be human? (laughs) We'll find out. Um, So Detroit Become Human is Trevor's game for the month of November, so I'm going to kick it to him so he can open it up for us. All right. So um, I'm going to go on ahead and offer this disclaimer. Um, I think all of us are aware of some of the controversy behind the studio Quantic Dream. And by us playing this game, we are in no way condoning or supporting or promoting, you know, the work environment and, and all that going on with them. But um, But the studio was founded... Quantic Dream was founded in 1997 by composer David Cage, and before this he had been a composer for 15 years, and I guess at that point he decided to start writing uh, video games. And When you say composer, you, you mean musical composer? Yes, he was a music composer. Huh. And, um, you know, the Quantic Dream is, is known for making, like, really... Um, really gripping narratives and interactive storytelling. Um, They develop games like The Nomad Soul, Fahrenheit, Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, and then the game that we're playing now, Detroit Become Human. And I think, for the most part, their games have been PlayStation exclusive. I'm pretty sure Heavy Rain and uh, Beyond Two Souls were PlayStation exclusives as well. I think Indigo Prophecy came out on... uh... On Xbox as well. So, we should also kind of explain Indigo Prophecy slash Fahrenheit. Yeah. So, I can't remember which is which, but in one region it's known as Fahrenheit, and when it got ported over to the U.S., it either got, I think it's Indigo Prophecy over here. Yeah, it is. Okay. So, yeah, that game literally had a name change because of um, localization or something like that. Gotcha. And so, um, yeah, with that, um, I think it was like right before Heavy Rain. That was when they started coming up with the concept for Detroit Become Hero, Become Human. And the first glimpse that we actually saw or that we got to see was in 2012. Um, and it was through a PS3 tech demo uh, titled Kara. And it was basically just like this short video of... Um, an android being built um there's like these robotic arms basically putting together an android and it has you know this ai um that's kind of talking and then you have a narrator talking to it um they're having a conversation kind of about um the android's feelings and emotions and them basically um i don't know um becoming human ah <laughs> <laughs> But um, but the voice of Kara in that video um, is Valerie Curry, and she actually reprises her role in Detroit Become Human for the full game. And so later on, um, David Cage wanted to turn this into a full game, and they started development on it after Heavy Rain was released in 2013. And they first announced it in 2015 at Paris Games Week, and then they came out with two additional character trailers at E3 2016 and 2017 showing off um, 
two of the playable characters that you get to play. And then in April of 2018, um, they actually released a demo for a PlayStation uh, where you could play the very first opening chapter with Connor um, called The Hostage. And then the game officially released in May of 2018. So this is probably the newest game that we've played for this podcast. As of now. Uh, that sounds right. Yes. Yeah. And so yeah. Detroit Become Human features three playable characters, Connor, Marcus, and Kara, who are all androids residing in this uh, setting which is based on Detroit, Michigan and it's during like an apartheid slash civil rights-esque era where there's like this divide between humans and androids and um, and I guess I won't go too far into the story but basically I picked this game because um, I really wanted to play it. I played the demo when it first came out um, and it seemed really fun. It was like a like I've played all the Telltale games, and this the demo seemed like it was going to be a good mix between the um, investigation in the Telltale Batman series and the quick time events that are in um, the Wolf Among Us series, or I guess single game since they won't be coming out with the second one. But um, but yeah, I was really interested in playing it, and and also because of what I heard from the narrative. Um, about it having, you know, some of the racial undertones in it. Um, and then, of course, with uh, Jesse Williams playing one of the androids. Oh, you're a big uh, Grey's Anatomy fan, I see. No, just um, as far <laughs> as his activism, you know. Oh, I got you. I was just joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm more of a Scrubs guy. Oh. <laughs> What's up, Dante? I was going to ask, um, what's everybody's history with Quantum Quantic Dreams games? Well, I have no history, because I literally looked up the games that they made while Trevor was talking. Wait, you played Heavy Rain? I, I about, I've, yeah. watched, I've watched people play Heavy Rain, but that's that's about it. I, I never played it. And, uh, yeah, so I don't I don't have any anything uh, to add about. I thought... Heavy Rain was very silly when I watched it play. Jason! Jason! <laughs> Jason! <laughs> and that's really it. I, I remember it being really ridiculous. Um, uh, I think we've had Fahrenheit or... Uh, what, what is the other title we said it was called? Um, uh, Inigo Prophecy. We've had that suggested a couple times, or both times that we've uh, had fan-submitted games that's always been something to end the running so uh i i actually didn't know that there were different named games until that happened or they were the same game i didn't know that until uh that started popping up in our list so never played nomad soul never played beyond two souls so nothing for me trevor have you played any um Whoever was playing it when Marcus was watching Heavy Rain, I think I was watching it too. Um, it like I think it might have been Joe. Thomas. I think it was Thomas. Okay. Um, but that's about it. Because, yeah, he got the worst possible ending, so it had to be Thomas. <laughs> but, yeah, I had never even heard of any of the other games. Well, I've heard of Beyond Two Souls, but that's because it's newer. How about you, Greg? Um, so I played a little bit of Indigo Prophecy when that came out. 
Um, I played Heavy Rain and I finished that. And I believe that's it. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think that's the only two games I've played. Did you finish any of them? Yeah, I, I did finish Heavy Rain. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. So, I've played through Heavy Rain, I'd like to say twice, maybe. Big fan, played huh? Through Beyond. Huh? Big fan? Yeah, it, that game is one of those very controversial games that, in fact, all of David Cage's games are either... You either fall on one side or the other. You either love it or you hate it. Very few people have, like, a middling perception of most of those games. But um, Heavy Rain is probably one of my favorite PlayStation 3 games. Beyond okay. two, Beyond Two Souls? Is it? I always get them mixed up. Yeah, Beyond Two Souls, the other PS3 game, I didn't care for that much. And that one actually had a very interesting um, release. So, originally, you're playing as Ellen Page, who um, can't think of who her actual in-game character is. But essentially, it's her story as a child through an adult. And it happens to skip around. It's not all sequential. So, you'll do, like, one chapter is, like, baby Ellen Page. Then, then like, you'll go to 20-year Ellen Page. Then you'll go to, like, 7-year-old Ellen Page. And then you'll go to, like, 14-year-old Ellen Page. So it was kind of a mess to actually follow the actual story of that game. But then in the Game of the Year edition they put out, they added a mode where you can do all that stuff sequentially. So um, since I played that at, at launch, I didn't have that option. And then I think I played Fahrenheit a year or two after that. And that game's really fun, but it also might be the stupidest game I've ever played in my life. So, yeah, I have a very mixed history with the studio. I was going to say, wasn't the Ellen Page that, that had the controversy because there was, like, a nude scene? Yeah, so... Because now that now I they remember... Did some, they did some nude modeling with Ellen Page, and it was to be used for models, like, in-game models. But then fans actually found a way to, like patch around a shower scene or something where you could actually see the full model and that's where that controversy came from darn creeps <laughs> okay well you guys ready to get into Detroit okay sounds good um, <laughs> so Detroit takes place in the future it's in 2038 um, I guess this is a very futuristic take on how society is right now. Um, there's a lot of like cool tech. Uh, there's a lot of humanoid androids that are barely, basically, there. No way to distinguish between a human and an android for me uh, physically. Besides, they have like a like a LED like ring, or not even what is it? Uh, like a light ring around their like temple almost like the uh, 360 uh controller like the little light up around the guide button they have one of those that changes colors like blue yellow red and all that stuff um there is i i don't know like the there's a whole lot of like context uh that they put throughout the chapters in this game about how the society is there's like every chapter has some type of notebook 
or um, or like magazine or something that you can read through and you can actually read about read articles in the game so there's like um there's a big controversy in the society uh, a lot of people are it's crazy people are still upset about losing their jobs to robots i guess or like <laughs> it's something that like we are like People now in 2018 are upset about jobs becoming automated, and apparently 20 years later, uh, or in our future, that still will be something that people haven't uh, come to terms with, come to grips with. To um, be fair, these robots are, like, we're at the first level of automation right now, where it's just like, oh, well, a register can be operated. These robots are so advanced, they can literally do human actions, they have the full, like, that's true. Functioning process of a human. So the mid to high level jobs are starting to get replaced now. And it's it's gotten deep or at this point in in their timeline it's gotten deep to the point where it's almost like people getting upset about um people um coming to the US and and getting jobs and working Yeah, there. or like black people dying and but still kneeling and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, like, there's homeless people, like, have signs that say, like, Android took my job my job or something like that. Or uh, there's actually one character that you work with in this game that uh, he... Act- like, there's actually a bunch of characters, like... Actually, if I'm being real, and this is maybe going a little too- bit too far ahead, it seems like everybody in this game hates androids, except for, like, one character, maybe two characters... Yeah. And it seems like, in that respect, it seems a little unrealistic because of... Define hate. Okay, they may not... Because I feel like there's a lot of people that see them as tools and they're like, oh, wow, this is super handy. But they definitely don't see them as friends. Okay. (laughs) I think it, it displays the people who hate the androids. And it doesn't necessarily show, like... That's true. The millions of people who have them in their homes. Yeah. Okay. Because I mean, fair. they wouldn't be making them in, in mass if if that was the case. If everybody just hated them. Yeah. But yeah. I, don't I, know. I guess the caveat of having a story, and I mean, there's a ways to show the other side, but to put the conflict, or to give the characters that you know we're playing as conflict, they try to focus on like the controversies of sure, having an android sure. or being an android. Yeah, but like it's having androids or the, just the androids as an, a thing have permeated basically all of humanity. So like I, I read pretty much every single article in this game because I really like the the concept and the the story of like this world. And like there's zoos that they're just having all android animal zoos that um, will be able to recreate extinct animals which that sounds really cool uh as, as long as it's not dinosaurs and then um uh, other things that happen in the society uh bees have been entirely extinct now um they're experimenting with android uh in sports so every team in a i forgot what sport it was if it was basketball or baseball or something or football but every single sport or every team in that sport could have a one Android limit. And um, it was crazy to see because like you would think like if this is 
like the thing with androids, it seems like in this game is that they all have a single thing that they are like specializing. It seems like so like um, they can't do like everything. So like they're uh, having androids in a sports league seems very interesting concept because they would just seem to dominate the entire league. But then it seemed like in that article that I was reading that the human players were actually for it because it forced them to step their game up to another level too, which uh, is cool to think about in concept. And then there was actually even an article later on in the game that I read that I want to ask you guys about later, but Canada apparently is an Android-free country. And I, uh, it's interesting to think about like a country that is decides to completely disassociate itself from like advance not I won't say advancing but like really that's kind of what I'm trying to say is like how how is that like I don't know it I just like what kind of I country- mean it's like <laughs> if you think about it it's almost what North Korea does with the internet <sighs> yes but I, I don't know it's just like man like is that like a like can you imagine the type of I think it was the people's choice, if I remember the article. Like, it's it's been a while since I played this game. I played mm-hmm. it back when it launched. But I'd like to say that there was essentially a vote, do we want to have androids in our society or not? And I think the people voted on no. So it wasn't like a government decided. Yeah, yeah, but it's mandated. just crazy to think about, like, the kind of mindset a entire country has to have towards androids that they decide to not have them. And then it's kind of like, is that for the betterment? Like, what what is their society like in in regards to like people's perception of their country? And like, I don't know. It, it's just very interesting because, like, kind of what Trevor was saying, where like people almost feel that way about immigration right now. And to think like, if there was just a country that like never in the history of their country's existence they ever left let in people that weren't from that country. Like, that would become a point of pride for the people that live there, but how would the outside world view that country? And, like, what kind of mindset, like, how alien is that mindset of the people that live there versus, like, the people of the rest of the world? Well, I think we're also maybe jumping ahead a little bit where these androids aren't perceived as having actual emotion emotions like they have thought processes they they can say that they think or whatever but they don't actually like humans don't associate them with having pain having fear having they the can't things create that, art make people people they can't create art so they can't like create music or like they can but it's very like still to get a copy and by the books yeah so they're yeah. like like there's actually a scene in the game where a character is asked to paint something and then the best you can do at the time is just copy something you see. So they're not necessarily like they lack the, like you said, the emotion that it takes to be able to create like a, an art form or to, to have an art form, I guess. I think at the same time too, another thing to look at as far as Canada being a no Android zone 
is like Dante said, they don't necessarily see them as humans. So they may look at it as like, no, we don't want the new iPhone in our country. But yeah, it's more of an export rather than like. I don't know. Like you guys are right in, in like saying it like that. It's like, yeah, we don't want this particular thing. But just when I playing the game, it's like these are, for lack of a better word, they're like they look like humans. So like, there's no way to tell besides this one tell, and they can blend it in your society almost. And it's just crazy to think about where it's just like. Like, it's almost like, who can you trust? Like, <laughs> the that, that was the thing that Go bugged ahead. me the most. The fact that they can just pop that LED off the side of their head and it's just like, oh, okay, well, you know, now you can't discern them from like a, you know, normal human being. It's crazy, man. It's the, crazy on the streets. The thing that's funny, too, is that, um, like, through um, Android archetypes like um through movies and everything you know they're made in order to look human so that they can blend in so that humans feel more comfortable around them mm-hmm. but it kind of has the reverse effect in this world like they don't want them to blend in and it's like they're using it as a way to um you know to divide them or to to cast them out is them being android mm-hmm. yeah so like really the only other like uh, how that plays out in the game or like the this, the setting is uh, I believe at this point I mean, like I said it's 2038 I think Detroit has become like a super like they have one of the biggest uh, producers of Android, manufacturers of androids in this company called CyberLife. And um, so they've, Detroit, you know, was known, and I think that's also really interesting, is Detroit was known in the early 1900s as like this super modern city, uh, w- very wealthy with uh, because of the cars and having all those car plants, the Ford uh, factories and all that. And then they had their decline in the, I guess starting in, I believe, the 60s or 70s, uh, 50s or 60s, something like that. And, like, now, like, Detroit doesn't have nearly the money that it used to. And, like, there's still, like, even to this day, like, buildings that have, like, been in disarray and just slowly decaying and becoming, um, like, being abandoned and just for 50-plus years... And now here you are in 2038, it's 20 years from now, and Detroit is almost like one of the, it's definitely one of the global leaders, and definitely one of the, uh, or definitely one of the domestic leaders. Um, I think in this world, LA has, uh, basically climate change has basically decimated the coast, so I believe like cities like Miami and LA are shells of their former selves. And, like, Detroit is this shining beacon of, like, modern cities in, in this world. And that's really interesting that it's having, like, its uh, resurgence or uh, reclaim to being a pioneer city. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, and uh, despite that, despite uh, Android manufacturing being the reason why detroit is back on the map like there are plenty 
of people rioting and just actively uh, being hostile hostile to androids that they see on the street. So that was uh, really jarring to see where it's like these people are openly like bumping into, pushing on, protesting, all that stuff. And like they're, they're not even protected in the same way that a person is protected. So like you see like uh, there's quite a bunch of... Uh, agitation that these crowds have with certain androids and it's not until like a while before police interfere and just say lay off the lay off of it like let it go let it be where if it was a person that that cop would act like like nothing you right there you know and when it's an android it's like this android can get pushed and shoved and kicked and punched and all that for a while before anybody interferes to like yeah, Stop it's more it. of a fear of property damage than actual. Yeah, exactly, physical. exactly. I, th- I think even there's one scene where they say, "Oh, if you keep doing that, I'm gonna have to find you if you damage it." Like, yeah, yeah. Yep. Which is just like, geez, like, uh, <laughs> man, that's a, uh, and it's especially because uh, it happened to a, a android of color, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> New slaves. It made, me, <laughs> it made me feel a type of way. Like just like some of the 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 way they they talked about like uh, there's some allegory in this game. Yeah, I'm just like man, like the y'all like the, they're really driving home the point, you know? Like <laughs> I get it, I get it. Um, so yeah, let, let's let's get into some of these characters. So th- there's three there's three um, androids that you play as. Uh, we're gonna the, the way the game is set up is um each chapter for the most part you you take the role of just for the most part a single one of these androids for the entirety of the chapter with exception there's like one one chapter that you play as two but i think instead of going chapter to chapter i think we're gonna go from character to character uh so that way you get like the full breadth of what we've experienced with this character up to whatever point um so we'll start with uh the uh, character Kara, who is a, um, she's the only female android that you take control of, and she is like, I think the game starts off and she's in an android store, and, um, or you're in an android store, I guess, and um, you find out that you've been damaged, and so you're, you've been repaired, and a man uh, named Pop, uh, excuse me, Todd is the one picking you up, and then you end up taking a ride to his house. And from then on, you find out the duties you have. You're basically like a housemaid, so you start playing out as a housemaid, and you clean dishes, and you um, take care of the daughter. You vacuum. You do like all the maid chores. You wash dishes. You wash laundry. Um, and, uh, you kind of see this dude, uh, Todd, and he, he, he starts to, I don't know, like, my radar immediately starts going up, and this dude seems like a, a real low life. Um, he, uh, you find some, I guess they have drugs in this game called Red Ice, um, and it's kind of like a... I don't know, like something that something that they smoke, maybe like some type their form of meth, the future meth or something like that. 
And so he's been doing that. He, he actively uh, talks aloud about his um, dislike of androids because he lost his job because of androids. So he's uh, he has no job. And, he, I mean, it, it culminates with him um, just basically just spazzing out. Like, I, I don't know. He, he, you just kind of get a feeling like this is not a good relationship with between Kara and Todd and even Todd and um, his daughter it seems like he's always like what are you doing like get out of here you know all that um, did anybody notice like some of the small cues like uh, when you first uh, enter the home like on there the little stand by the door there's like uh, past due bills and like um, like failed credit card or like rejected credit card uh, stuff on there. Didn't he even buy you in kind of a weird way? Like, I remember there being something weird about like the money he pays for you. I can't remember. I was she, remember was she like a, a demo or something? No. So or... so he said that she had gotten in a car accident. Like uh, she got hit by a car or something. That's why she was damaged. So he was getting her repaired. And so she was at the shop to be picked back up. And um, you end up finding out that he actually, like, did the damage to her later on. So he, he just blamed it and said it was a car accident. And so they, because they had to factory reboot her or something. So, like, she was, um, had worked for this family previously but now, after the factory reboot and the repair, she's, like, going through it again for the first time, I guess you could say. So she's reacquainting herself with everything. Did I answer your question? <laughs> you talking about my question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I meant initially how he got her, like, before oh, she wow. was damaged. Like, just, this man, as soon as I pulled up at this house, I already knew what was about to happen. It's like, like man, yeah, this, that was, this is a trap house. Yeah, the dude lived <laughs> in a really crappy, like, area. Like, you could kind of see, like, they play it to great effect. He lives in, like, a super industrial-looking area. But, like, the houses that you've seen... That side to, of town you don't want to go on. Exactly. Like, 8 Mile or something. And, he, <laughs> yeah. and he's got an Android in there? Which That's I'm sure wasn't cheap. Like, I, I think, I think um, it was, like, he, he probably something he bought before he lost his job and it's like the last vestige of like when he had money because uh he definitely doesn't have money now um did i guess did did we want to talk about how the the game plays out as far as like mechanics on how you kind of you know interact with everything yeah yeah um so uh, kind of in similar fashion to like the other Quantic Dream games, this game has like a lot of uh, contextual actions, right? So when you're kind of just going through the environment, um, when you have to interact with things, you know, you'll have um, an icon pop up with like whatever inputs needed, or um, you know, like if it and these some... aren't even like traditional inputs. It's like yeah, hey, I need to use my left hand, so let me use the like right thumbstick and do this quarter circle you know, drag and punch thing and hopefully it opens the door before this time's out. Yeah. And, um, and even has, uh, some sections where there's quick time events. Um, same thing as that kind of, you just, you'll see the button prompt 
come up, just press it. And then also, um, I believe, I don't know if this is, it should be the same as the other Quantic Dream games, but usually the the situations like that have like branching paths depending on what if you actually get the uh, QTE correct or not. Wait, say that again? Um, so there's like branching paths and some of the quick time events in this game, if I mm-hmm. remember right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it all depends on, like, your performance uh, during those actions. Yeah, yeah, there's that. And, and, and not every time, too. Sometimes it, like, I think it just, it, it may not branch the path. It just may mean, like, how successful you are in the action or the activity that you're doing as well. And there's sometimes, Yeah, too, yeah some of it's just for flavor. Yeah, yeah. But, Plus, um, this game does a really cool thing where at the end of the chapter it does this big blowout of pretty much scene by scene of what happened during the chapter. And it will show you all of the choices you didn't make. And you'll just be like, Jesus, well, I only hit maybe 20% of these blocks. It doesn't show you what you haven't done. It just shows you what you have. And you can see all these other things that you could have done because it doesn't spell out what, what those other options are. I think it, the, the, right. The, they're locked. The benefit of it is when you, when it's supposed to add replayability because you like do a chapter and you see like, oh, like there is a whole bunch of things that I didn't do or didn't see. I don't know what they are. So it, it promotes like replayability and like going back through and like, oh, I'm going to redo that thing and see uh, that other part. And you can see the percentage of your friends and the percentage of the world that have played the game, like what they did as well. So it's it, it, it's really cool. It's really cool. It, it, it's like a cracked out, like a uh, expanded out version of what Walking Dead does, where that you can, you can kind of see what everybody else chooses. This one is like you can see like every single decision being made versus just the major ones. So there, but there's more decisions in this to make than there are usually in the Telltale style games. Yeah, and like in those games, you might see ten decisions, whereas in this one, it's just like. There are 50 things on screen right now. Yeah, yeah. And, it's like, um, yep. They all branch out. Mm-hmm. They all branch out, and sometimes, like, you might start a chapter on a completely different branch than somebody else, and they might not even intersect. And they also take the same approach to, I guess, dialogue as well, where it's like sometimes you have choices that you can make, and there's limited time, so then you have that thing of, like, oh, do I want to, is this what I really want to say, or, you know have to kind of take that into account i could be wrong um but does this game give you a silent option in a lot of cases i feel like it just defaults to answer if you don't like it's there's one answer that you see that it ticks down on and if you don't uh respond it just gives you that okay the only uh, this is always this is always the thing that i have with these types of games it's like I mean, even games that don't have the timer, like Mass Effect, when you have dialogue options, I feel like sometimes it's a little bit uh, not full, truthful, and like you can choose something and you think it in your head it's going to sound one way, and then when they actually say it, you're like, oh, I didn't think it meant that. Like, that yeah. happened to me a bunch of times where it was like, oh, that sounded way more harsh than I wanted it to. I would have chosen something else, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. And, and Though... Will will get into it with each character, but I, I do like that each character has their own like the, personality. The own personality, but like gameplay mechanics as well. 
like each character is different uh and we'll 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 get to it just like some of the things that you can do uh but let's let's continue on with Kara Kara I guess um so yeah you you can kind of see him treating his daughter Alice pretty poorly and you end up uh when you finish your chores you get the opportunity you have to go upstairs and clean upstairs and you find out um you find some things I guess if if you explore you can find some things about Todd and just get some more context clues about him and Kara's, uh, or excuse me, him and Alice's relationship. I think he ends up saying, like, his wife left him because he got fired and, like, all these things. So it's just him and Alice now. And they have, like, a very not uh, positive relationship. And so uh, once you go upstairs, you get the opportunity to talk to Kara. Um, excuse me, I keep saying that. You get the opportunity to talk to Alice some. And then... Uh, flash forward to around dinner time you've you've made food for them and um at this point i think todd is like super smoked out and uh he's just really hostile and abusive to alice and you basically have to decide what you want to do if you want to calm todd down or protect alice and i think this is when they kind of start introducing some of the quick time events and um what like I guess this is gonna be one of the important ones, but like I'm guessing everybody here decided to protect Alice. Yeah, I I figured that I mean I, I figured it was one of these things where it shows up as a choice, but I mean there's you know, there's only one outcome of it, but I I didn't know if there was like another way like where you don't protect her and then she actually gets like hurt or whatever. So I guess one thing, because I guess we're going to go back and talk about this in general, but, like, there's a very specific scene where, what's the dude's name? Todd. 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 Todd goes upstairs, and he's like, you don't run from me, Alice. You don't run from me. And it's like, hey, Kara, you stay still, and you just stay here. And there's a little, like, visual in-game. Like, they do these text overlays where it's just like, stay still. But then this is where Alice becomes a deviant. Or, um, Kara. Kara becomes a deviant. Which is an android that's essentially able to overcome their programming. And you have this thing where she has this... I guess you could call it like an out-of-body experience. She breaks the third wall. (laughs) She literally breaks the third wall. And she's able to override her stuff and go upstairs. Despite being instructed, to yeah, to basically disobey orders, and like it's it's a pretty cool moment because you've as you see when you're playing with all these different characters um, in world, there are just like the game makes it seem like you can do all these things, but you're kind of limited to what you can do in this environment, and like when you try to hit up against the edge of where you can go, there's like a red you're you know do not go here or whatever right and it's basically like saying like oh like your objective or the mission or the task that you're set up to complete you don't need to be you don't need to go over there so you can't go over there so this is like it it, you i think we end up seeing that i think the game is purposely set up to make you see that like you can't break laws like you can't cross the street when um the uh it's not the pedestrians turn across the street. 
So, like, we've seen so many times leading up to this point where you have to stay within the confines of your task. So, I, I think it's a it's super awesome time or to, to it, it's super powerful moment when it allows you to not only see that, but then you can just break through and just know I this I'm going to do this. And I don't know, I, I really like that scene where you end up breaking that wall and becoming a deviant and uh, overriding the, the 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 command that you were supposed to obey. Um, what about what do you think, Trevor? Yeah, this was probably, I guess, one of the defining moments or the first defining moments of the game for me. Um, because, like you said, everything just started branching out from here. And you could actually see that there were there were choices because from the very beginning, like as soon as you get dropped off, he gives you a task. The only thing you can do is that task. Like you can explore a little bit, but you can't really do anything outside of that. But then as soon as you break your protocol or your programming, um, you get two options instead. And unlike y'all, I chose to try to calm Todd down first. Wow. De-escalate the situation. Well, Alice had already ran upstairs, so I figured, you know, she was safe as long as uh, Todd didn't go upstairs. Um, That was just my thinking behind it. But eventually it did lead to going upstairs anyways. Mm-hmm. But um, the only other thing um, was, I guess, I'm not used to some of the... Um, controls on playstation um i just got a playstation what, last year and so i've only been playing exclusive games for it but like some of the quick time events caught me off guard like especially the ones where you had to turn the controller and yep. um, a few other things <laughs> and so i'm i'm literally looking at the screen trying to you know decipher exactly what i'm supposed to do and sometimes I would just miss it because I was trying to figure out, oh, I got to, you know, pull the controller towards me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the game does that great of a job um, helping you discern between making a, a long press or not yeah. a long press, but <laughs> tapping tap versus, versus a, yeah. A, a Doesn't mat. it literally tap the button? Like, I think it kind of pulses, it, and that's what it's supposed to signify. I, I don't think it's. Yeah. I don't think it's effective enough, personally. Because yeah. yeah, there was like, especially like, it's not necessary. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm with Trevor. Like, I'm used to button prompts, and the whole button being like a, a different color because of 360. So, I, I mean, obviously, I've had PS4 a little bit longer than Trevor, but I don't really play like exclusive games i play like overwatch and like street fighter and like all these other stuff um that's in rocket league that's pretty customizable so like it was hard for me to discern between it being a long press or being like a multi-tap thing and it's also just not something that i'm expecting in a which i know is stupid but it's not something that i'm expecting in like a series of quick time events it's not always like like i'm not thinking oh i need to be tapping this really quickly instead of just hitting it because they'll switch. And uh, so I got, like, later on in the game, I got caught a couple times where I was like, oh, crap, I, I hit the button, what, why didn't it? And then I was like, oh, it was supposed to be one of the tapping ones. So I wish they did a, a, a better job, at least for me. Or maybe I, there was some way I could make it a little bit more obvious. But 
I'm a scrub, so what do I know? Like in Telltale games, like when you have to tap a button, like they, um, there's like a little uh, gauge that goes around the button until you've tapped it enough in order to, um, you know, complete that event. Or like if you have to move the stick in a certain direction, I mean, it puts a giant arrow right there in front of the screen. Yeah, like where so it's rapidly I know going they, up and down. Yeah. For the holds, at least, they have something that fills up. Well, it, yeah, it does. But, like, it's, but you don't know until you hit the button. Right. So, like, it, especially, like, for me, a lot of times there's, like, there's a very specific scene that we're, I, I don't want to talk about until we get there. But, like, if you hit, if you hold the button, then the button starts to go up. But, like, there, sometimes it's a tap, sometimes it's a hold, sometimes it's a multi-press. And I don't feel like there's like a. It's not till you hit the button do you know what you have to do, if that makes any sense. It does, but I also think in a lot of those scenarios, if I remember right, like you have to look at the item or the action that it's trying to tell you to do and kind of discern. But like it's specific. Like if you get next to a bookshelf and you know there's something behind it, it's probably going to be a hold. Yeah, but I'm not complaining about in the everyday. I'm complaining about specifically in the quick time events where it's like my character is scuffling with Todd. And that part, it was like, I can't, like, there's no... I, I got you. I yeah, got you. Yeah. I got you. I don't remember it being too big of an issue, but I, I think for the, for the ones that ass. were... Todd beat my ass. Like... <laughs> 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 Hey man, they you know what? They just needed a tutorial. There you go. Because <laughs> I could have swore it like if it was one where you had to like rapidly press it would like kind of pulse, and then I couldn't remember what the other thing was. But but it had to be something somewhat intuitive because like like I said, I don't remember. So like, the you, ones that you're supposed to hold, it does have like a little square or rectangle around the button, but it's it's very faint and. <laughs> Sorry, this, oh man. Uh, it's faint, okay, okay. <laughs> sounds I mean, like a hater, man. <laughs> I mean, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't go solid until you hold it long enough for it Did to Did you go. adjust your brightness? Man, I made it so bright. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't want I'm any sorry. jump scares in this game. <sighs> so. I think we've talked about buttons enough. Okay, um, yeah, basically Todd, he, he, he got some good hits in on me because I couldn't tell <laughs> the difference between... Yeah, like, good form. Yeah. <laughs> and, I wasn't missing any of his prompts. So, like, there's another there's another scene later on, too, that we'll talk about. Um, but uh, how does your guys' encounter with Todd end? Because in my game... Like, you find he has a gun, and I'm assuming this is your guys's too, because you guys are pretty thorough like me, and you end up shooting him. Oh, dang. Yeah. Oh, okay, Good my God. bad. <laughs> Trevor oh, over yeah. here trying to calm him down, so... <laughs> I had found the gun. I don't know if, if you find the gun uh, before that. Well, you can't find it before the scuffle. I don't know if that's the time yeah, everybody can. It's in his dresser. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. take I it. I guess you don't have to take it. You don't have to take it. I didn't think about that. Well, I already yeah. knew that he was going to come at me sideways the way he was talking about Android. <laughs> so <laughs> I hold my piece don't to get my piece. Don't you find like a photo or something of him 
your dismembered old self or something? Oh, yeah. yeah well, something. Alice gives you that key to like a little lockbox she has. It has an illustration Oh, of she that. has drawings of it. It's yeah. like crayon. Ver- oh, yeah. man, that was messed up. See, the yeah. thing is, when I first saw it, I thought it was his, I thought it was the mom. So I thought he killed the mom. <laughs> he's, he's literally dismembering people like some type of sawhead type of dude. Hey, man. Oh, man. He's on that stuff. <laughs> They're rare stuff. <laughs> You know what? Okay, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it later too. Um, but uh, so yeah, what happened in your game, Trevor? Did, so, did you shoot um, him, Greg? Yeah, I did. Okay. So after I tried to call calm uh, Todd down, um, you know, he basically knocks me down. Um, we have like a scuffle throughout the house, like on the first floor. And he knocks me down, and he goes upstairs. And he got me on the counter. <laughs> He goes upstairs, so I have to follow him up there and figure out which room they're in. And I finally find where both of them are. And um, and then that's where I kind of try to protect Alice from that point. Mm-hmm. And it's more of just trying to keep Todd away from Alice. And then once we... Like, Todd's kind of, you know, taken aback by the fact that I'm actually fighting back at this point. Disobeying. Yeah. And um and so you're able to catch him off guard, catch him slipping, and and you know he caught that fade, and, <laughs> and um you know you're able to escape. I think we escaped um through the window, yeah, and um okay. and ended up catching the bus. And from what <laughs> I read online, once you get out of the house, if you don't move fast enough, Todd will catch you, and he will lay them hands on you. So I'm kind of curious how the game goes if, because isn't that kind of, well, I don't know. Him dying, isn't that part of, like, one of the story beats? I think it's part of it, but, like, I also think, like, they could easily say, instead of, like, uh, uh, a, or, uh, Android that's... We need to run away from the police. It's like, oh, well, Todd reported the police on yeah. that. Yeah, so it could go from being, like, you're wanted on murder, basically, to you're, you're so wanted just a kidnapping on kidnapping. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Like, don't get me wrong, it's still a video game. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so the same thing for us. So then you end up, like, taking the bus to Detroit City proper, you know, and uh, at this point it's it's late. You have no money. You guys are on the run. Um, you have to find a place to crash for the night. So you have a bunch of different options. Um, I think there's, like, an abandoned house. There's a parking lot. There's... Um, or like a uh, a parking lot that has like an abandoned car. There's a hotel slash motel situation uh, that you have to get some money from, and like, or you have to steal some money. So there's like a bunch of choices that you guys can that you can make at this point. Um, and regardless of what you choose, you guys have a place to crash. And um, I I don't know. It, it's kind of weird because like there is like choices, and I'm sure we probably made different choices, but like. Ultimately, you know, like you get you get a place to stay, uh, and um, well, where I, did you stay? I stayed. So you, in order to stay at the uh, the hotel, motel, whatever, you had to have money. So I ended up going to the you gas station, and I and I and I stole money from what? Yeah, man, I stole money, man. I don't I'm even see to, the gas station. I, uh, it was a convenience store, like a twenty four seven. Oh, store. okay, got you. 
Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> Greg, was your thing a sarcastic thing, or that was like, oh, this is something you can do? No, it's just more like I'm just thinking of the kind. Of, like, I don't know. I, I was putting myself in the in the shoes of of Car. Like, so you trying I to say wanna... that I'm a bad person? Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> well, I'm thinking, like, I got the gun on me. I'm like, you know what? I could rob this person. But I'm like, I don't want to. Oh do that no, no, no! I didn't rob him at gunpoint. Oh, you just stole the money? Oh, well, that was the option I had, because I had the gun, so it's like... Yeah, I, I had the gun, too, but, like, what yeah. I ended up doing is I had... You just... Car- I had uh, Alice knock over the display. Play decoy? She played wow. decoy. You monster! You monster! <laughs> I stole a candy bar for her, though. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, she even made me feel bad, because there's a... When you're walking around, you can go into, like... You're looking for a place to stay or whatever, and you walk into a laundromat. And I was just gonna take some clothes what? to give to her. What? Uh, well, hold on, hold on. I was gonna, uh, hold on, hold on. I was, I was gonna do that, right? And then she was like, "Oh, but those aren't our clothes. We can't take those." And then I was like, "Yeah, you're right. You know what? I'm not gonna do this." And, she said and that so to me. From, and, and from that point on, I'm like, "Well, I can't." You know, you go to the convenience store. It's like, man, I could, I could rob this dude. I could steal some money. But I'm like, I, I already felt bad about even taking the clothes because of what she said. So I'm like, I'm not gonna do this. All right, so here's you know, my... Th- go ahead, Dante. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, so for me, I went to the convenience store first. Afterwards, she chastised me. She's like, I can't believe you stole. You did, you stole. And then then we were walking, and she's, she gives me that, like, oh, um, uh, don't steal. I, you're going to steal clothes? No. And so I left, and then I'm like, I, w- I went over to the hotel, and I'm like, let's go in. But then I saw no androids, and I'm like... Well, I don't have anything to cover up the fact that I'm an android. So I went back and I'm like, and then when I was walking back, she starts shivering. So I'm like, not only are you cold, but I I can't get us into this hotel unless I cover up my clothes. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to steal these clothes. So I stole the clothes and like, bruh. And then we got into the hotel. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) So I got to say this game does an amazing job of just bringing out your like paternal instincts in some cases because as much as I just chastised Marcus about like robbing the store and whatnot, I did my paces through that store about two or three times before I decided I was like I just I I can't do this in front of Alice yeah and just you see her shivering it's raining it's cold and you're like I need to do something fast but I don't know what to do and like I really had a moment of panic for this video game character. That's exactly how I felt, and that's why it was just like because I didn't want to steal the clothes, but I also like we, she started shivering. I'm like, like she's trying to, and also I was just thinking the environment she was, and I immediately was like, well, this game is not necessarily even realistic because like her dad was abusive and like all these things, and I'm just thinking like if you come from a, like a situation like that, like. I don't think she, you're going to be as pure-hearted as she's, like... It, it's just... It was a little too much, like, heavy-handed to me. And, like, oh, you're doing the wrong thing. And I was like, girl, your dad, like, smokes. You live in a trap house. <laughs> like, he beats you. He beat me. Like, he destroyed me in front of you. Like, you're worried about me trying to take care of you? Like, girl, stop. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, you literally did just murder her dad in front of her eyes. Yeah, and yeah. So I'm like, look, what I t- like, whatever, whatever I have to do to help, like, because I, I didn't want to steal the candy bar, but I'm like, 
she didn't even eat her spaghetti that I made. <laughs> so like she being all some... ungrateful. Exactly. So yeah. I guess one other small thing about Alice that we failed to mention was pretty much she didn't talk for the entire first chapter. She was just very cold. She didn't really communicate with you at all. And now you're just trying to win her back. And that's kind of like one of the major mechanics with Kara, just like, hey, this person approves of you or doesn't approve of you. Yeah, yep. So, yeah, it's very important that you get her approval back because it seemed like you guys were thick as thieves before you got destroyed. So, like, she was very uh, apprehensive about talking to you because uh, you were no longer your former self. So you had to basically, you were in the process of trying to win her back. So... Yeah, I'm guessing you... So where'd you say it, Greg? So, I tried to go to the house. Did anybody try and do that? Yep. The abandoned house? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't have to find something, like some tool to yeah. cut through the fence? Yeah, you, you find that, and then when I went to do that, um, like some... I guess there's like a deviant that's there. I forget his name now, Ralph. but like... Yeah, that dude was extra creepy, and he already had the. And so, like, he oh, yeah, had the he looked knife. like he was about to stab you fifty times before you even talked to him. Yeah, and I, as soon as that happened, because at first I was going to go to the car, because I'm like, all right, well, this is this isn't optimal, but this is like probably the best it's going to get. So I was like, I did that. She was complaining about it, so I was like, okay, whatever, let's go check out the house. And then uh, Ralph showed up. And then I was like, you know what? We're out. I'm going back to the car. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not even going to play with this. What about you, Trevor? I had the literal exact experience as Greg where I was like, oh, the car doesn't seem great. Let me let me check out my options. Oh, yeah, I'm going to take this car. Did, did you feel worried at all? It's like, man, now this guy knows I'm here. And this car yeah. is literally right around the corner. <laughs> Yeah, I I wasn't really sure if anything was gonna happen from it, but I was like, all right, this is probably the best it's gonna get, so I, I just I gotta take it. Like, all right, so I explored all my options. I went to the the motel, and you know knew I had to get some clothes, but when I went to the laundromat, you know Alice gave me a hard time about stealing the clothes. Why you those those aren't yours? Yep. <laughs> and then um. And then I saw the saw the trap house across the street, and said, like, "Hey, it's just it'd be just like at home, Alice." Exactly. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, this is an upgrade. At least Todd ain't there." <laughs> <laughs> um, but then they said I needed uh, wire cutters in order to get through the fence, so I went back to the convenience store. I went there first, um, but I went back and I saw all the cameras in there, so I knew it was a setup when it you know told you you could steal stuff. <laughs> um, but I was just, just like, like real life. <laughs> but I was just like, well, Alice doesn't want me to steal these clothes, so let me go on ahead and grab this wire cutter. Um, and so I took it, and um, and then I cut my way into the abandoned house, and that was when I met Ralph. And I was man, I was creeped out too, but I figured, well, they already got me on camera stealing these wire cutters. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So you stole the wire cutters? They're actually in the parking. Uh, yeah, they're parking in the parking area. lot. Yeah. Wait, so what? There's multiple. <laughs> Bruh. That was for nothing. Man. Yeah, so they got me on camera. <laughs> Stealing on my day off. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I met Ralph. 
and um and i was just like you know what let me go on ahead and crash here ralph can't be any worse than todd so wow so went in let me tell you this is probably one of the most interesting characters in this game ralph seems like <laughs> yeah i see i never even got to meet him so. do y'all watch futurama or ever watch futurama yeah. yeah. Remember that one um robot uh with the clamps? Clamps? Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's who he reminds me of. Okay, okay, I like it. I, I, I mean he's just clamps. he's just kinda deranged. But he's actually the first android you meet um who um who is a deviant and he's riding R A nine all over the wall. Um like we run into it again like in a, a um later um, chapter yeah a mandatory part of the story um but i guess since this part's optional um this is the first part where i've seen it and um and okay. you kind of ask him like you know why are you writing ra9 on the wall and he just turns and looks at you like i don't know like like he's almost doing it absent-mindedly like so he doesn't even I? know <laughs> but yeah we we yeah. spend the night there Marcus, I really need you to look up a clip of that dude after this is done, because it's just, he comes out holding a knife, if I recall. He's yeah, like, he hey, c- yeah, come in. <laughs> what is fine? <laughs> okay. <laughs> he sounds tight. <laughs> he was very inviting. Like, you... <laughs> and I didn't even have a bat to fight him with. Didn't need one. Um, What's up? Uh, so, after... After you, uh, actually, so we'll end, we'll end talking about Kara right now with, um, you basically spend the night or whatever, uh, crash, find a place to crash with, um, with, uh, Alice. So we'll, we'll go on to the next character. So, uh, we'll, we'll talk about Marcus who with is a K. played by Marcus with a K. Yeah. It puts a respect on my name. <laughs> um, how do you feel to be named after the worst android in the game? Man. Thank you for saying that, because he is the worst android in the game. They don't do my name justice. Um, yeah, like, he, so he's played by Jesse Williams, so he is... They don't really, like... <clears throat> androids are, like, different races, but they don't, like, overtly, like, talk about their race or anything. So he is portrayed by a black per- or I guess Jesse Williams is mixed or whatever but anyways like he's the one that goes through a lot of the he's the one when you when you open up with him you're in the city um, of Detroit and you're seeing a lot of the protests going on you're, you've been tasked by your owner to pick up some paints um, from the store and so you go uh, you are the one that is witnessing the um protest and all that uprising going on you uh pick up the paints and you're trying to take the bus back and um you you are the one that gets knocked down by the protesters and you get punched and beaten up and you just take it because you're an android and you're not supposed to um retaliate i guess or you're you're peaceful and the so the cop stepping in way later made me feel a type of way. And then once you get your paints, you get on a bus and the Android section 
of the bus instead of oh, the back yeah. of the bus, <laughs> and that made me feel a type of way. <laughs> and it, it, there was just a, a little heavy-handed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like I guess, um, and then like technically, you're like the. I mean, it, it really is no different than than Carl's situation, but you're technically like a butler slash servant position for this uh you end up going to your owner's house and he's a very wealthy uh handicapped uh white man um that's a painter uh so you uh drop the paint supplies off and then you get to kind of see his his house he lives in a mansion and he has a ton of money uh really nice house um and then you got to wake him up and do some of the tasks as far as like making his get give serving him dinner or excuse me serving him breakfast um, but like, unlike any of the other characters that you, uh, run into, you are in a good situation. It seems like this guy, he's an older man. I would say maybe in his seventies or whatever, he's handicapped. He's very appreciative of having you in his life. And he's very like, he seems very pro Android and, like, has no problem with you guys and, like, all that. And he feels very sympathetic to the plight of androids. Um, there's always one. And um, <laughs> uh, I think what ends up happening, um, he he's, at one point, he wants you to paint. He's, like, fascinated to see what androids, how they can paint, since he's, like, a super famous, F, or super famous uh, paint, painter. And, um... He, uh, that, that, that part we were talking about where you basically photocopy something, then you finally can paint something. And once you paint something, then I think his son pops in and his son seems, he's like Todd adjacent. So he's like a scumbaggy. Like he comes wanting, he comes in with the pretext that like, you know, like, I just want to see how my dad is. I haven't seen you in a while, but really he wants money. And like, his dad basically lives. Are you still on that stuff? Basically, his son is like a degenerate, I guess, in his eyes. And his son is like basically taking money from his wealthy father to buy drugs or whatever. And um, he ends up like picking a fight with Marcus, um, with you. And um, you guys end up getting in. Like, he's like poking at you and prodding at you and just trying to start something and at this point you're like you have the same thing that Kara has and you can deviate and one did you guys deviate at this point yeah I did <clears throat> wait is this the yeah he need to get those is this hands. the second part yeah the, the, okay, the, the one with yeah. the sun with the sun I think the first time he he uh I think his son's Leo I think right yeah his son is Leo, Leo yeah Leo. yeah um I think the first time that they meet, it's just kind of like uh, he just says some snide stuff, and then it's the second time where you get that opportunity to throw hands. Yep. Because yeah, yeah, his son is very like um, upset that he's like, "What do you see in this guy? Or what do you see in this this? They call it plastic. That's like almost like a derogatory term that yeah. they say for like they have all these different terms that they call androids to like kind of dehumanize them. Another strike. Uh, dehumanize them and to just differentiate them and other them and so like a lot of times they're referred to as plag plastic or a hunk of parts or whatever and um so he's like why do you care so much about this android but you didn't care about your own flesh and blood type situation is kind of how his son leo feels i guess and, he kind uh, of feels replaced too 
Sure, sure, yeah, and the same, yeah, instead of it being a, a job, it's a, it's because the whole Marcus thing is a father son yeah. relationship, and and they're kind of driving that home with the whole like paint what you feel and just you know he really has this utmost respect for Marcus, the older dude. So. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, what's the guy's name? I feel bad about not remembering. It's uh, Carl. Yeah, Carl. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you, so you guys all went, uh, deviant, right? I think so. Yeah, I did. Yep. That's the only way you can go, isn't it? I don't know. I don't, I don't think you, I think you can, but did you guys swing well, on them? Cause I, oh, I went deviant yeah. and I didn't swing on well, them. You can, I didn't swing on you them. can break out of your programming, but you don't have to, um, disobey Carl. Yeah. So I didn't disobey Carl. Does he not get shot if uh, if you don't do that? Why is everybody getting Does shot? You not game? get killed. No, dude. So in my in my game, Carl has like a stroke or heart attack or something. Yeah, that's what happened in mine. Wait, so your Carl is dead? Yeah, my Carl is dead. Yeah. What? So, yeah. So when I when I push Leo, like I guess he he dies at that point. Or he, he appears unconscious, and then. Uh, Carl says, you gotta get out of here. And then I'm like, oh, I don't have anywhere to go. And then, um, after he says, you gotta leave, the cops show up. And then the cops are assuming I killed the dude, you know, and they just shoot him. They shoot Carl? No, they shoot, uh... No, they shoot uh, Marcus. Marcus. Oh. You didn't get shot? Yeah. No. Really? Yeah. I got shot. Actually, oh. no, 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 no. I did. I did. I did get shot. I did get shot. I did get shot. So you still get shot either way. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, what I was but, Okay, in our games, Carl or um, Leo is dead. In your games, Carl yeah. is dead. Yeah, because once you yeah. start arguing with, with Leo um, and, I guess, refusing to fight with him, Carl gets worked up and he has a and heart attack. Stroke or heart attack, yeah. yeah. So in your guys' game, well, let me tell you this: like, swung on, Leo died, and he didn't get that worked up. Y'all swung on Leo. <laughs> yeah, it was so, like you just—I think you just push him, and he hits that uh, whatever that contraption is that he puts mm, his wheelchair this on. This is one of those scenes that you were talking about earlier, where it's like, oh well, I didn't expect it to escalate like that. If I yeah. hit this button. Got you. You didn't expect to kill somebody when you push them. Yeah. See, it that's why, really fast too. So it that's like, why I steal, push. but I don't enact violence, Greg. <laughs> Stealing is a victimless victimless crime, but pushing people. Hey, I, I didn't know somebody could go, die. I didn't know it was gonna go down like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, as soon so yeah, as the police um, show up, they start they start firing. Bus shots. Ask no questions. <laughs> oh, it's like real life because they're because the guy's black. I'm telling you, guys, it's like it's it's, it's kind of like. Uh, Did Leo rat on you? Yeah, he he's like. Um, you know he he did this because you're kind of standing yeah, yeah. over Carl trying to help him. Okay, I figured as much. But yeah, like, dude, like it, it just makes me feel so weird because like all this is happening to the black android, <laughs> like all the things, um, and you end up, uh, um. So after you get shot, you end up waking up and you've been decommissioned and basically let in a left in a pit of destroyed androids. And like, it's actually kind of cool because you are decommissioned and like kind of scrap 
Android, like your audio and your vi- uh, video is um, destroyed. So like the the way the game looks and sounds is very distorted. And even like you can barely even move like that well, like your legs or you have to reattach limbs. So while you're in this pit, you're like finding other scrap androids and it's almost like a hell because it's raining and it's just like a, a, a trash heap and there's like it's muddy and you're like there is it's like limbs are reaching out to you you hear a lot of moaning uh android robots it's very creepy actually and um you're like just you're reassembling yourselves with uh compatible parts and um you end up uh, reassembling yourselves and crawling out of the pit. And before you do that, like you, you run into a, a, a creature, or not a creature, an android that tells you about this place called Jericho. And basically it's like Jericho is, your, is supposedly your salvation. So at this point, you, you as Marcus are obsessed with finding this Jericho. And so you, you start following clues that are only left by uh that only androids can find um and basically it it starts this it's like almost like a mini game or quest that you have where you have like a picture that you have to find like a, a specific symbol that is placed in a lot of the graffiti around the city and you have to scan the um the symbol to get a new uh clue to further you along the journey and some of the it starts introducing this like rewind mechanic or like this um it's almost like a parkour like you can kind of pre-program a path to traverse further on like you're in this abandoned um there's you're in detroit after all and there's still abandoned buildings for some reason in 2038 even though they've had this huge economic renaissance but for some reason because you're in Detroit there's still abandoned buildings um and uh so you can kind of like parkour across some of the gaps and climb up some of these ladders and everything so you you kind of there's multiple paths that you can take and you can fine-tune it and you can program your character to do it so then once you figure out the correct path then you run the program and then your character will do all the actions that you had it set to do to get to the next part did, did you guys like that part or that this section or how did you guys the feel only, about this the only thing i didn't like was i thought the um the kind of looking for the symbols in the painting or the graffiti was kind of that was kind of corny but um the setting out your path or whatever i thought that was kind of cool to switch it up I thought it was like I was definitely getting bored of doing that for a while. Yeah, um, for me, like this part was the first part, like that you, like I guess what I was kind of alluding to earlier, like each character has their own unique thing. So like with Kara, I feel like her unique thing is having this kid that you have to watch out for. So you have like all the decisions that you have to make are not necessarily for yourself; it is for a another person. But then, so she's going to have, I feel like, the more story, like, relationship-heavy questions. And then I feel like with Marcus, his, uh, he doesn't necessarily, like, he's on, he's a no-man. Like, nobody's looking for him or whatever. So, like, they had to do something to distinguish him. 
so they gave him this like parkour stuff and like it's to me it's not fun or cool it's just it's kind of lame it's very gamey like the whole like scanning the graffiti stuff was really lame too i didn't really care for this uh section at all um and uh i don't know it's it just it, it just makes him like very boring character to me uh he doesn't necessarily have the the three characters he seems like the one that has the least amount of personality which i guess is like they're androids and they're not supposed to have personality but it just seems the most apparent with him uh how, how do you feel about his section uh trevor it was like the gameplay as far as the gameplay was interesting um uh like i agree with you as far as him as a character um, he doesn't have as much personality as um, Kara and uh, Connor that you meet later, mm-hmm. or that we'll talk about later. Um, but I thought this um, this game mechanic was pretty cool. The only thing I didn't like about it was that it still made it seem like there was only one correct path. Like I don't know if you if y'all ran into where um, once you choose like which path you wanted to take it would kind of tell you, oh, if you take this one, you're going to die. Like, you know, this ledge is too high to jump to, so, you know, you have to find a different one. Yeah. Like, I kind of wish that would have still played out, not necessarily killing you, but you would have basically had to, you know, try it again. Figure it out. Yeah. I wish there were, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I wish you could have, like, played it out and, like, oh, that's the wrong one. Let me rewind and go to the right one. Yeah. Kind of like Life is Strange. Where it's like you can play out and get the bad thing, but you can just rewind it and go ahead and do the good one, you know? Yeah. But I still thought it was. Ahead, I still thought it was cool. Do you remember anything, Dante, about that? His like, because I remember you were the one that was so, like most adamant about him being the lamest character. I do think he's the lamest character, but I like a lot of his scenes. Really? So that scene in the robot graveyard is kind of amazing. And I kind of want to talk about it a little bit. Like, just all of the robots you have to salvage from and, like, seeing them, like, function or dysfunction in different ways. And you kind of have to make some ethical choices here and there where it's like, yeah, man, this one's still kind of alive. Do I, do I want to salvage parts from it? And is this right as an android? Oh, I'm actually was... kind of surprised you didn't get super spooked by it. I was, I was spooked bodies. by it. I was spooked by it, but I didn't really see like I didn't really see it like I don't know like I I see the androids as people when they're full or whole, you know. But like oh jeez, oh jeez, I know, I know, I know, I know. But I I didn't really have any qualms. About Just go taking... send them to the glue factory. Why don't you? <laughs> yeah, I didn't really have any qualms about taking um, disassembling them or anything because they weren't whole. And, like, we were all in, like, I don't know, it was, like, the strongest survive, and that that sounds really shitty, but, like, that's just kind of how, that's kind of how I felt about, at that section, so. Like, you're given a choice where there's, a one of the, um, one of the androids says, just take me out of my misery, I didn't even, I couldn't even do that, because I felt bad, I'm like, I'm not gonna do that to this dude. Wow, let him suffer, huh? (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Well, then I had to question it again because then I walked past um, another android and I needed a part and then she was still alive and she was like, oh, don't take this from me. 
And I was like, huh. sorry, I need this. <laughs> well, well, actually, no, I was like, well, I can't, I can't like just switch up my moral compass like that. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna let you chill. And uh, I'll just try and see if I can find another one. If it came down to it, though, she was going to go. She's got it. I need this. I need this. <laughs> I need mines. But I, yeah, I ended up looking around, and there's like another part you can take from an Android that's not functioning. So I think majority of the Androids I took parts from weren't functioning. So maybe that's why I didn't have the same like issue that you guys had. There's a couple that you could talk to. Yeah. And I like, mean, yeah, there was some. I'm, yeah, I'm still here. I just don't remember like... I, I don't know, like, I I don't know. I I didn't I didn't really have any issues taking stuff from people though, so maybe that says a little bit about me. Yeah, I mean, first the grocery store, now this. <laughs> By any means. And the laundromat while I'm at it. Yeah, man. Um, Hopefully, none of those Androids had um, cameras because you're probably caught on, caught on tape there too. Hey, man, I already <laughs> killed him, man. I'm on the run. <laughs> but. But yeah, um, I, th- I thought that part was really cool, and I didn't really have an issue with how the parkour thing was set up. I thought I thought that was kind of cool, because kind of being, I don't want to say in that profession, but like in a profession adjacent to it where like, okay, well, we deal with a lot of probability stuff. It makes sense for an Android to kind of run this analytic and like take the best possible path and kind of ignore the other ones. Okay. Um, and then, uh, so once you crawl out of the pit, um, you <clears throat> end up. Look, or I'm sorry, crawling out of the pit. I'm, we went. I went too far back. Um, so once you get all the clues to Jericho, you end up reaching a ship, and you get into the ship, and you are discovered. Uh, one, this part was super creepy too, because you're walking through the ship and there's nobody around and you have this this flashlight and you just have to just walk around and uh just explore and that was that part was kind of creepy um there was a lot of uh, moodiness in there and i was just like dang of course uh i i, I got away with not playing like uh <laughs> evil within but now i gotta deal with this and um it, it wasn't that it wasn't too bad it was definitely a vibe but like not not too awful. There was like one yeah. little jump scare, I think, or not even a jump yeah, scare. Yeah, and they kind of... definitely played the music in a, in a way that was like, oh shoot, you know, like what was that? Yeah, and because I was thinking the entire time something's gonna like it's too quiet. I'm something's gonna pop off, and sure enough, like you know, they, they play the they play those the scary the scary uh chords, and then I was like, oh, so here's something. Oh, one interesting thing too. Um, we haven't talked about music yet. But one interesting thing that I read was that each character had a different composer. So that's kind of why you get like a different feel playing as them. Didn't notice. Really? Yep. I don't know, it kind of had like really atmospheric music. I remember really liking the music, but I can't point out anything about the music whatsoever. Like I think it does a really good job of setting up scenes and being there in the background but it's not like yo i need to go and listen to this track or download purchase the mp3 because i'm not a crook like some people (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what you're trying to say i got spotify i'm saying they didn't catch me on camera (laughs) gotcha um but uh yeah you end up uh finding a uh 
batch of uh, androids, and um, you uh, you find out you're in Jericho, and um, they uh, are sl- like they're in different states of repair. Some are like dying out, and uh, some are holding on uh, to dear life or whatever you want to call it with androids. Um, and, uh, you end up meeting, like, there's, their leaders, I believe, or it's a black android named Josh, uh, a, a white girl named North, and a white dude named Scott, and they seem to be, like, the three de facto leaders, and then you, um, get to just kind of meet, I think they said there's 19 of them that are still alive, and there's some, like, there are parks everywhere, um, there are are some that are like on their last, like there's literally one that you meet that dies in front of you. They just shut down and it's actually kind of creepy because like these androids, when they die, they, um, uh, they don't look human anymore. They look very metallic or they, they still look human, but they like, just have like a metallic gloss to them. And, um, the crazy thing is so like this, this place Jericho was deemed as like, free, uh, like a free place for androids to be, and, um, they, uh, they aren't really living in, they're living in squalor conditions. It's, it's, like, better than, like, being subservient, I guess, but it's barely, I guess, you know, they're, they're barely holding on. Well, I mean, as a, as a... I don't want to call them an object because that's kind of the the whole purpose of the game is to, but as as like a, a non sentient being, what necessities could they possibly need? Um, or I guess on the surface, I have no idea. Because I mean, it just seems. Well, these are deviants, though, so they, you know, they are sentient, allegedly. Yeah. Yeah, because they all went through something to get there. Once you find out about this place. Then it's like a whole ordeal, and they said like a lot of people didn't make it because they either got like attacked or you know like disassembled or whatever. So it was a very trying process to get to this point, and um, I guess the issue that I have or whatever, I guess with respect to what you were saying, Trevor, is that um, like I guess yeah, what is heaven for an android, <laughs> or like what is like freedom for an android? Because like that seems like a pretty crappy situation for humans, but, like, what more could they need? So, like, he, because Marcus seemed pretty apprehensive. He's like, you guys look like you're in a bad spot. Like, how can this actually be, like, a good situation? But he ends up offering to help uh, get some spare parts. They're going to break into the CyberLife facility to get some spare parts for the, the weekend the weekend uh androids and then they're going to um i guess live there and on the ship i I don't really know like what the final plan is you know yeah for right now they're just looking for resources so they can stay alive which one we haven't even discussed but the blue blood what did y'all think of that what you mean like just as a as a as a thing I mean, like, everything needs some type of energy source, so I wasn't too much like, oh, this seems exceptionally, like, out of place or whatever in this world. 
But is it something that, like, the only time they actually use it is, like, to when, um, um, when Marcus goes and finds Lucy and she repairs him and she's like, here, drink this. Um, but other than that, they don't actually show them using it, like, as a, as a life-sustaining thing. I guess it's just for repairs. I feel like you see a little bit of it with Connor. Well, that's like when he's following traces of it. Like when so somebody's wait, what are you him. asking? What are you asking? Like, I don't know. It just... Essentially the concept of blue blood. It just seemed weird that they added it right there. And nowhere throughout the game had they even explained its purpose. Like, in the early parts of the game when you're following Connor, you know, they kind of make it known that this is similar to um, to human blood, I guess, for, for um, an android. You mean what's the purpose of the blood? Like, well, not necessarily its purpose, but how does it work? Like, is it... Like, is it why it... does an android have blood? Exactly. Okay. Um, so I don't... I actually don't know. I think it's like kind of like their life force. Is what I always... What That's I... what I think they explained it um, was. One of the interesting things that I... Well, things that I found out from the context clues of reading was that... There's a key ingredient, key component of android blood is thorium, and red ice, which is a huge, there's a huge red ice epidemic that's sweeping the nation, and the main ingredient in red ice is thorium. So, like, basically, like, a lot of the people, like, I guess the way I'm taking it from what I know about drug issues and now is that people, you know, do drugs to as an escape and like the main people we've seen or one of the main people we saw that had an issue with red eyes was Todd. And he was very like, he hated, or I mean, he, he didn't really have a lot of respect for androids, but here he is like basically ingesting Android blood or really that's, that's kind of how it is. So I, I thought it was really kind of interesting that like this huge epidemic is sweeping the nation. So far what we've seen is a lot of people that hate androids yet like this, drug it's main they on that android stuff. yeah exactly exactly um i thought that was pretty uh i i don't know if ironic or there's a hint of irony in it i guess um that a lot of people that probably are using drugs to escape their real life problems and maybe some of those problems being that their job got taken by an android and they're you know all that stuff Um, but yeah, I guess wrapping up with Marcus, uh, you guys decide you, Scott, North, and, uh, Josh decide to, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna go break into, um, cyber life and get these parts to heal, heal our people, fix our people. So that's where we leave off with Marcus. And then our last character is Connor, who is, um... He's a detective, I guess, or like a cop. And I, I thought, I freaking love this intro. Um, you, you start the very first chapter of the game as Connor, and it's a high stakes, uh, like, uh, hostage situation. Um, it's the tutorial chapter of the game, and it kind of teaches you how to play the game a little bit. Mostly it teaches you how to play as Connor, but it, it has some of the um, other things that other, the other characters see too. 
So his gameplay is more like his mechanic, I guess you can say, is he's a detective. So he's like finding clues and putting, solving some type of mystery. And um, so there's this deviant android that has killed um, the couple that owns it and is taking their little girl hostage on the roof. And he's already shot a couple of um, police officers, human police officers that are trying to approach. So you're being brought there as like a negotiator to kind of talk, literally talk him off the ledge. And um, so you're finding clues about what happened throughout the chapter. And it's a pretty tense chapter. I think Trevor, did you say this was the Yeah, this was the demo that came out before the game released. Okay. And um, yeah, you're just finding a lot of clues. And like, I guess this thing that put this man on edge was that he was going to get replaced. Or excuse me, the the thing that put this android on edge was that he was going to get replaced. And um, he was really grown attached to the family and all that. And he didn't like the idea of being replaced. And um, so uh, how'd you guys end up? handling the situation did you guys end up like successfully like i i think this is one of the best chapters that they could have used for um i think this chapter or the chapter with uh cara cara trying to find a place to stay probably the two best chapters that we could they could have chosen as a demo to like kind of show you like the kind of decisions and like gameplay mechanics of this game and uh there was a lot of a uh branching options for this so how did you guys end up tackling the situation? Um, I think I ended up talking him, or at least I got him to the point where I thought he was going to, you know, uh, back away and uh, kind of let the hostage go. But um, I think he eventually like falls off with the girl, but you run and save the girl um, and sacrifice yourself in the process. Mm-hmm. Huh. What about you, Trevor? Wait, so when you say sacrifice yourself in the process... You like, fall with yeah, her? Yeah, so you like fall. he's he's falling off with the girl, and, you and then her. you run, and then you pull the girl, because I guess he, he kind of lets himself go, and then she's like, you know, he has her held, you run, you pull her, throw her back, like, on the building, and you fall off at the same time. But Connor's still alive for you, right? Oh. Yeah, yeah, he just I guess they just reconstruct huh. him if I remember right. What happened with you, Trevor? Um, so the first time I played this demo, I think Carr ended up dying. Connor. Uh, sorry, um no, um the little girl. The little girl? Oh yeah, oh. I don't know why I said Cara. Um but the little girl ended up dying. And so I played it probably about three or four times. And so when I started playing this game I already knew what to do. And this time I was able to explore and do all get all the clues and um, talk the guy down. But in the end, I still saved the little girl and, and had the, the snipers put him down. Okay. Uh, do you remember what happened for you, Dante? Yeah, I mean, I know I at least saved the girl and then I think the snipers... I don't think you can stop the snipers, can you? Uh, well, I guess it, it, eventually, I guess he, the dude dies either way, right? You know, either he jump, he commits suicide, or the snipers take him out. Yeah. For me, um, I got him talking, and I got com- he got comfortable enough with me that um, he uh, I, I could walk really cl- walk up to him, 
and um, mm-hmm. I basically pushed him and took the girl or pulled the girl up, and then he shot me, and then I fell down with fell down off the building with him. And uh, Man, so you guys both had Connor die. Yep. Yep. Um. It's a little weird and kind of bothers me a little bit. Oh, I guess it, it has happened this way, but it kind of bothers me that like there's all these different ways that the, it can play out, but they all eventually kind of lead to the same road, right? Like, well, there are parts eventually where like characters won't come back if they die. Definitely the side characters. I think just because it's so early in the game, they're kind of giving them an out. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so uh, the the next time you run into Connor, because I actually you don't run into Connor to chapter six, so I I was thinking that was just like a one off thing. I didn't realize he was the main character, um, but you end up having to find your partner that you've been assigned to. So you have to walk into this bar, and um, the uh, um, the character is like this dude that's clearly past his prime, and he's pretty reluctant to leave with you because he's not really a fan of androids. And you basically have to check out this uh, this crime scene that this deviant android has killed its owner. And then this is another situation where you're doing a lot of evidence collecting and just kind of trying to piece together what happened. And this is also, like, with... So with Marcus, you got to do a little rewind thing to... Um, I didn't mention this in the first chapter, but with Marcus, you get to do the rewind to, like, kind of playing around to do the little parkour section. The Connor has the same ability, but for him, he can see the crime as it's happening. So, like, once he finds pieces of evidence, he can kind of see, like, oh, like, this is what happened, and this is why there's a blood droplet here. And, okay, so, like, what did the person get hit by? Then you find the weapon, and then it kind of reconstructs the crime scene with the weapon involved, and you can kind of see, like, oh, well, once the person got stabbed, the blood trail leads here, and this is what happened here. So it's it's really cool. Um, it kind of reminds me. It sounds stupid, but it kind of reminds me of like the detective stuff that happens in Arkham, the Arkham series. I think it's a lot better than that, but it kind of just reminds me of that. Um, and you can kind of scan bodies to try to see like, oh, like what happened. Like, oh, this thing pierced this person's lung, or this this thing happened, or it blood force traumas, this person got hit by a blunt object, or they fell, or things like that, and um, I think this is the first time in the game, uh, at this point, that you would have run into the uh, RA stuff, if you found it with him, which is, uh, like a, it seems like an android, like, cultish, like, um, situ- situation, like, it, it basically, there's, like, some um, androids that just start writing these scribbles of RA9 like hundreds hundreds of times and so it's just really like occultish like and um you end up um end up piecing stuff together and did you guys end up finding the the deviant yeah I found him I don't I think I, I feel like you have to like you have to find him I'm assuming to progress the story is this the the deviant at the crime scene? Yeah, yeah, the black one. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you find yeah. him, and uh, you end up taking him in. He kind of basically says like the thing he basically was abused, and like you know very seriously physically and 
verbally abused and um he's he was just scared and he didn't like he didn't mean to kill the guy so, like uh something just snapped i guess and um so uh once you you take him in um you end up he's being interrogated by two human cops in whatever the interrogation room and you and your partner are kind of um uh uh watching and they're not gathering any information so you decide hey let me let me try it let me get a, a swing at him and so you start interrogating him and uh you can kind of find out like his situation and just like you can kind of see why he did what he did and then like i don't know something i forgot the the, the two police officers or at least one of the police officers that is interrogating him is a real dick and uh, um he like tries to rile the guy up and like i guess androids have this defense mechanism that causes them to self-destruct or something i don't really understand and it, deviants do deviants do okay it's like a fail safe for deviants and um uh actually two things so the, the way they do the interrogation thing, you have control over what you ask him, and you're trying to get him into this sweet spot where he's like, there's like a percentage gauge while you're interrogating him, and you want him to get to a certain percentage and kind of stay in that area, which I thought was a really cool way of, like, you could kind of tell which questions were going to be a little bit more aggressive versus which ones are going to be a little bit more, like, passive. I don't know if, like it was a little leading because if it gamified a situation where you would legitimately feel compassionate towards this person or this to this android but the game forces you to play in a specific way to get information out which i don't know like depending on how you feel about it could be good or bad um but uh i think that's another thing that that adds to the complexity of connor as a character too because it seems like his interactions with other characters have a lot more weight than the than it does with um with Kara and Marcus. Well, does it though? Because I feel like Kara's have a lot of weight too. Well, at least not immediately. Like there's no um there's no instant gratification from it. Like you can you can immediately get um like a a certain response out of a out of a character by by choosing a certain statement. But with Kara, mm-hmm. it was like, you know, either way, um, Todd was going to get angry or, you know, you had to, um, I think, there, I don't know, it seems like you're supposed to act a certain way with Alice. Like, you're not supposed to try to um, ruin your reputation with her. Whereas sure. with Connor, you know, you can play it multiple ways and you know you'll get to different scenarios. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, did you got? Did you like the interrogation thing then, or? Um, I thought it was a nice callback to um one of my favorite movies of all time. Go ahead, keep going. You guys ever seen I Robot? No. What about <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> I've never heard iRobot in favorite movie of all time. In the Trevor show. really likes Trevor really likes um, the Chronicles of Reddit series. So if that's his favorite like series, then you already know that that guy just has a different taste than you. <laughs> fair, fair. 
so like I used to read a lot of um, Isaac Asimov's um, books, and iRobot is based on like um, one of the one of the books in his series. And Can I ask you, did you read his books because you you were a fan of Russia? Um, actually, yes. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Um, but yeah, he did a lot of um, like a lot of his books dealt with human interaction with androids and with robots and how you know you would see um civilization evolve with the um incorporation of of uh autonomy um in society and um and i thought there would be a, a couple more references in this game to some of his work because he's like one of the big science fiction authors of of all time um mm-hmm. but I haven't caught any yet. But yeah, this gotcha. interrogation scene reminded me of the, the interrogation scene from iRobot. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, I actually... I like that movie. It's not one of my favorites, but I like it a lot. Um, got a young... Uh, what's his name? Um, Shia LaBeouf. Thank you! I was about <laughs> to say Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's like, yeah, Shia LaBeouf. Um... But uh, yeah, did, did you guys the, did the Android self destruct for you guys's for you guys? Were you able to? No. When you say self destruct, what do you mean? Like, Basically, I don't think they he, actually he, blow he up. Deactivates but... and like he's yeah. no longer is working. Okay, so my Android or my Deviant didn't do that. He okay. he basically banged his head on the table until he lost all the blue blood in his head. Okay, that didn't happen for me either. You can die in that scene again, though. You? You can? Yes, Connor can die in that scene as well. I was um, watching Giant Bomb's Extra Life stream, and Drew Scanlon happened to be playing this game. And I can't remember the specifics, but he got to the headbanging thing. And then I think there's a part where you can tell like the cops to stand down or the other people in the room to stand down. And if you do that, Something happens and Connor pretty much dies. Weird. Yeah, so I guess at this point in the game you could have him die up up to two times, I guess. <laughs> You've only played as him twice, so that makes sense. Okay. Well he didn't the guy didn't self destruct for me and I didn't have any issues with him banging his head or anything like that either, so um I Can don't... we talk about how good the um cop partner is whose name is escaping me at the moment? Uh it's Hank. um no, no, no. Well, he's saying that the actor, though. You're saying the actor. No, I'm talking about like. Okay. The actual dude yeah, in the like, game. Yeah, then Hank. Lieutenant yeah, Anderson, so right? Good. Yeah. Hank Anderson. Why, yeah. why? Why do you like him? Hit like his acting is really, really on point. Most of his lines are really, really like. I don't know. He just has a way of conveying himself, and you can tell that he's this haggard cop, but at the same time, like. He's very conflicted about certain things. And I guess you haven't really gotten as like far enough to realize what's going on with him. But he's an interesting dude. It's, so you should pay attention to him. His name is uh, it's Clancy Brown is the actor that plays him. Um, and you, uh, you might know him as Mr. Krabs. No... Yeah, it's Mr. Krabs. Wait, you serious? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty weird. Hey, 
years of experience. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he he also plays. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else you guys would have seen. Uh, I don't see anything like movies. I mean, he's in a lot of stuff, but I'm just trying to think of. Uh, yeah, but that that's the that guy is the voice of Mr. Krabs. So the only thing I saw tight. was that the character who portrays uh, Kara, she was in Twilight. Oh, see, I didn't, I never watched it. So I think she was in a few other shows too, but that was probably the big thing she was in. But um, yeah, I, I I agree with you. He 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 probably has the most standout lines. I like him as a character. Oh, I, he I'm on the fence about he, him. He's as a, a really good bad cop to your good cop right now. He's a very like man. I want him. I want to win him on my side. Like I don't. I haven't given up on him yet. Is how I feel about him. It's like man, I really want. Yeah, and he's like the main thing Connor plays against. Every time you're making a decision, it's like, am I making Hank happy right now? Is is Hank Senpai going to be happy with this decision? <laughs> um, but but yeah, uh, I like him, and I'm just trying to get him on my side. But uh, the um, where are we at? Where are we at? So afterwards, um, after the interrogation, <clears throat> um, you basically you you are at the police department. You got to find Hank's desk, and you're going to meet up with Hank. And see, this is the opportunity for you because you get there before him to learn a little bit more about him and you can kind of explore the police station and you get to talk to both of the two cops that were in the room with you as well with the the interrogation room and um, at this point you get get to meet the I guess the captain too who um, is uh, Hank meets up with the captain and he's like super against you even being his partner he doesn't want anything to do with you and this this part really really f- frustrated me because he makes the comment which is like in 2018 this is a pretty innocuous comment to make in 2038 not so much he says i shouldn't you know basically the gist of the conversation is i shouldn't have to work with this android or even i shouldn't have to investigate androids because i can barely even change my phone settings and this guy was born in 1985. He's only five years older than me. <laughs> like, I unless phones get super... I, I'm guessing phones get super confusing or something, but just like, I, I consider our, you know, our generation is fairly tech-savvy right now. Who knows in 20 years if we will continue to have some a little bit of savviness. But like, that just... Some, something about that just struck me the wrong way. And I was just like, are you serious? Well, the, like, what? <laughs> I, I'm guessing the game doesn't necessarily pick up, you know, right from 2018 where we are right now. Maybe it... Yeah, it's 2038. It, well, it's I'm saying maybe it deviates from this timeline, like, earlier. Like, maybe in the 90s, like, something happens with, with cell phones. And, and they're not necessarily as advanced as the ones we had in the 90s. I hate to break it to you. But in 2038, we're not going to have super cool robots like this. No. Yeah. I think they're more advanced than we are. They're definitely more advanced than us. But it was just like, when I saw, when I heard that, I was just like, what? Like, uh, <laughs> I don't know why. It just was like, man, like, <laughs> the, um, the only other thing too, uh, from there you get to kind of talk to Hank about his, um, 
background and kind of prod him for information or whatever and kind of get a feel like about the character and what's what's up with you man how are you doing and um just relationship building stuff and then um this point the the next chapter is you pick up well before we left. before you go into that okay. i'd have a question for y'all so okay. do some of the dialogue options that you have with hank seem kind of misleading like you're supposed to be building a rapport with hank but there are there's usually like one good answer or one good question out of like the four that you can ask him like do y'all just go through all of the questions or do y'all just hit one and then leave him alone so for me when i was doing the little death part i was like i just wanted to find out about his background right so i asked him all the questions and there was two like good ones and two bad ones and i was like well that's kind of whack so i would try to pick whatever one was the most appealing or stood up to me the first time and then i just wouldn't ask him the other ones because i didn't want to get negative points so i'm not necessarily poking and prodding i guess is the word uh him as much as i normally would just because i don't want to have the negative interaction with him because i do want him to like me so i want to have like a good relationship with him so i just try to do things that i feel like will win him over so it has changed how i play yeah so i just took the approach of i asked the questions that i think i would ask hank in real life and try not to um overstep boundaries try to pretty much annoy him or anything like that so i might ask two or three of the questions but definitely not all of them yeah i think it, i kind of followed the same route whereas i just tried to i tried to you know not Read get on yeah, yeah yeah right you know it was like i'm not gonna ask something that's like that I know is going to piss him off, so it's like I kind of wanted to stay on his good side. Well, I asked him one question about, like, the sports team he had on there, and it ended up being a negative. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, he does. I was just yeah. like, man, that was really stupid. Okay. I felt the same way. This is silly. Um, yeah, uh, but anyway, so, so the, the next chapter, it picks up, and we're going to pick up back with uh, Kara. Um, and so you wake up with uh, Alice and wherever you stay at. And I guess I, I'm wondering how this is for you guys. Because in my game, since I was in the hotel, um, you, uh, she's like, I'm going to go. Uh, you take a bath and I'm going to get us some food or whatever. And um, we can't stay here. We're, we got to go somewhere else. And, you know, we didn't have enough money but just for the one night. And so you're, leave, you're leaving the motel and you see police cars pull up and they have interrogated the the hotel front desk person person uh front desk clerk person and um basically said have you seen this person and of course the people asking are hank and connor and um so then you as Kara go back into the room and then, or you're seeing this cutscene, right? And then, so Kara, she scampers back into the room, and then you play as Connor, and you're supposed to go to room 28, which is the room that they stayed at. And, um, oh, I, I should say this too. One of the other things, uh, too, with Connor at the very end of his, um, 
last chapter is you guys are basically like, okay, we're going to look into all the Android cases that we have on file. And um, you can scroll through and uh, through your files to see all the cases. And one of the cases is Marcus's case. And one of the cases is Kara's case. So Marcus's case, like, I guess the murder that he apparently committed on um, uh, his Carl. And then the other one is Kara's either murder of Todd or I'm assuming kidnapping of uh, Alice, one or the other. So they're both case files that you have as Connor and you just download them all. And I guess this just ends up being the first one you get the lead on. So anyways, uh, you as Connor, you and Hank go up to room 28. Hank kicks down the door and you find the apartment empty. And then now you see uh, Kara is... You, you get to play as Kara, and it's a stealth, like a stealth sequence, I guess. There's these cops in the vicinity, and you're trying to uh, elude them. And I did not understand the <laughs> this stealth sequence. It was very... It didn't make any sense to me, so I got caught pretty quickly. So then um, she started running. You had to get to a certain point, and I got to that point. And then you take back control of Connor, and now you're pursuit of Kara and you're chasing her, and um, Kara and uh, Alice end up hopping over this fence, and then they're on this highway, and uh, Connor is going to crawl up, go after them, but Hank says, don't, don't go, and at this point, you have the opportunity to listen or not. Did you guys listen, or did you guys not listen? I'm sorry, what was the choice? Did anybody listen to, so with, with, Connor chasing Kara and Alice. Did you guys listen to Hank when Hank said "Don't go," or did you guys go after them still? Uh oh, so that didn't even happen in my game. Yeah, I was about to say, did anybody else fail the stealth stuff? I, I did stuff. I didn't. <laughs> I mean, oh man, Kara is terrible at stealth. I didn't understand that section at all, dude. It's it's it was crappy. Every time you got close to a cop, there was always something that you could hide behind. So like, yeah, it was just blending in. I I, yeah. I know, but it would it would be something like I'm I'm in cover and the percentage is still going up. Yeah, it would go up as they got close, and you just had to keep holding the button so you would uh stay hidden. Yeah, you gotta then, stay cool. Uh, yeah. Well, I ended up getting caught like near the end, um, and so I was able to like push him off and just get to the very end. Hey, Greg. Yeah. They had all that video data. <laughs> <laughs> so can I can I tell you all about what happened in um in my chapter? Because it's pretty different sure. from, yeah. from that. Um, sure. So, um, first thing you're playing is Kara in this chapter, and she wakes up and she goes upstairs and changes clothes because I guess I did a bad job of stealing the clothes from the laundromat. Um. So there's clothes upstairs that I have to go and find. And um, and then it instructs me to cut her hair. So I actually go in the bathroom, cut Kara's hair, and then I can change the color of it. It lets you pick whichever color you want. Um, I think I ended up picking black. Oh, no, I, 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 pi- I picked white. Oh, so it okay. did let y'all do that in y'all's game? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was in the hotel, yeah. so... And so I go back downstairs... And, um, let me see, I can't remember what happens at that point, um, but eventually, um, Ralph is awake, or is in the room, and he set up a breakfast table, 
because he hears that um, that Alice is hungry. Man, this is the most hospitable um, person I've ever stayed with. Because this man goes out and finds a, a beaver or a possum or something. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, look what I found you. And he was like, humans got to eat, right? And so this man takes it and I guess, I don't remember if he, I think he cooks it in the, the fireplace that's in the house. Um, but yeah, he tosses it on the table and he has a knife in his hand and everybody's sitting at the table and he's just staring at Alice like, eat, go ahead, eat. And then he gets angry. He's like, I said, eat. And, um, and he just gets hostile and, and as, uh, Carl, you just kind of have to deescalate the situation. And, um, and then you, you look out the window and you notice, um, there's police out there. And I guess that that's the part where um, you kind of switch over to Connor, and he's questioning people about, um, you know, if they've seen Kara or seen a, a deviant android, and and that's the part where they're like, oh yeah, we got our own camera, stealing um stealing wire cutters. And I was just like, dang, they got me. And so um, you know, Connor kind of puts two and two together, and he's just like, so she stole some wire cutters, um. And she needed a place to stay, so that means she must have cut her way through the fence, and she's in the house. And so he goes and um, and investigates the house, and he looks through the window, and he sees Ralph standing up in the middle of the room, just doing nothing. And he gets into the house, and Kara and Alice have hidden somewhere, uh, but you can't see them um, as Connor. So Connor's looking around, and he's talking to uh, Ralph in the middle of the room. And while you're talking to him, there is a, um, like, you know, those, uh, little meters that pop up, um, to show you your, um, I guess the scene or like, like, like in the first scene with the hostage, like, you know, as the dialogue options changed, like if you made the wrong option, um, the numbers would decrease. Well, there was one of those, but it it changed depending on where you were in the room, kind of like a hot and cold type thing. So like whenever, um, Ralph got nervous, um, it would go up or it would go down. And whenever he was calm, it would, the percentage would go up. And so that kind of lets you know where in the room Kara and Alice were hiding. And so you could kind of question him and it would help raise or lower that little meter. But as you walked around the room, that also kind of gave it away, like, oh, he's getting nervous now, so I must be close to where they're hiding. And, like, as you move close to the stairs, um, you kind of ask him, like, is anybody upstairs? And Connor can tell that he's not lying uh, when he says no. Um, but the the meter was um, going up as you got close to the stairs. But, you know, in the end, they ended up, they were hiding underneath the stairs. And he finds him, and, and I think Ralph pulls a knife or something on Connor um and Kara and Alice are able to to escape and they run away and that's when they get to the scene where you have to decide as Connor do you want to obey Hank or or chase after them okay Okay. but it was man that was that's probably the funniest scene of the game so far for me um did you chase or did you no I I followed Hank's orders I'm sorry y'all missed out on it because that was a hilarious scene I'm going to have to check that one out. So at this point, had everybody pried off their Android chip? Yeah. Yeah, both 
uh, Kara and Marcus. Yeah, I mean, like, during their car scene. Oh, okay. Car version of the scene, yeah. But yeah, um, I managed to stay hidden, so I don't think I had any type of chase. Okay, well, I didn't chase either, but at this point, as Kara going, like, this is the other part, this is the part I was talking about. Besides getting beat up by Todd, I got hit by some cars. Um, (laughs) Got beat up by some cars. Yeah, I got beat up by some cars, so um, I say I, you know... She didn't have the Frogger APK? (laughs) No. Downloaded? (laughs) So yeah, it it was rough for your boy. Um, But I I, I made it out alive. (laughs) Across the street, and um, yeah, um, she gets away, and then the final chapter with Connor, um, you guys uh, are on your way to another crime scene and uh this is another part where you, you get some more flavored text with hank and he he stops to get some food and i think every freaking every freaking chapter is like hank says stay in the car and then you just don't <laughs> listen to him <laughs> that's another trope which is like it's like a cop movie thing it's like always oh, like the person that you know never listens or whatever but i just think it's funny that he's always like stay in the car and um, you never do, and you get to find out a little bit more about him. Um, and uh, th- at this this crime scene is uh, somebody heard a loud noise or something, and so you end up in this apartment, and you end up going to the apartment, and it's just filled, filled with pigeons, and just tons of it, and it's really affecting Hank where he's just like, Oh, it just smells so bad in here. And so he ends up having it open up the air and he's just getting like, I guess he's like asthma issues with it. So like, you're like looking up clues and he wants to leave and I end up sticking around and you, you end up seeing another, this is another one of those androids that you don't know what he's done, but he has the RA nine stuff written. I think it was like 2000 something times on one of his walls and he has a lot of like these symbols of like this maze symbol written on his walls, and um, I ended up. Did you guys end up finding him? I ended up finding him, and yeah, I found him. Okay, and I might be getting the two mixed up. Is this the one you find in the attic, there, or is that bo- the previous? Both one? ones you find in the attic. Oh, yeah. So is this the one that has the murdered dude at the bottom? No, so that's the no. earlier one. This one, you don't know what his crime is. They people just said there was a loud noise coming from this place, and um, you go in, and the, the guy ends up hopping out the attic, and then you it gives chase, and there's this that really long extended chase scene, and I actually really enjoyed this because like as Connor, you're chasing after this android, and every time you come up to like this a new section, you can kind of scan and kind of plot out your route, whether it'll say something like, this is the safe but not direct, versus this one has more obstacles, obstacles, and it'll be slower, or this is the most direct route or whatever, and you can kind of, like, choose the path you want to take. And it's like like those kind of chafe scenes like you see in the movies where you're, like, hopping over stone walls or, you know, fences, running through a greenhouse and hopping over uh, tables of plants and like climbing up a ladder and hopping from building to building. It's a really long chase scene and um, it ends up culminating with, um, you know, you're chasing after him because Hank told you to and then he ends up getting the drop on the guy and the guy ends up like pushing Hank off the ledge of this building 
and at this point you get the opportunity to either chase apprehend the suspect or save Hank um what did you guys choose so I ended up just uh, chasing the suspect just because wow. I'm looking at that. This well, dude hold over on. here I'm... trying to guilt me for trying to think of a no, girl. So, like, all right. So I was thinking about it for a second. And it's one of those time decisions, right? So you don't have long to do it. And I looked at it. I was like, probability of survival, like 93 or 94 percent. I'm like, oh, he's good. You know what I'm saying? He 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 gonna be fine. You know. I got to make sure I get this dude. Yeah. I thought about it after the fact, because I didn't think he was going to be pissed about it. I, for some reason, that's what my thought process was like. All right, he's not going to be too mad about it. And then, you know, that was completely the opposite. But Yeah, so for mine, it said, like, probably really survival 87%. But for some reason, I was thinking that was if I helped him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to go help him. Plus, I wanted to be on his good side anyway, so I figured that would, like... I don't even know what this this dude did, and he didn't technically like. As far as I know, this android didn't do anything wrong, so I don't know if he committed a crime or anything. So he just a demon. It, it was one of those decisions I instantly regretted making. Like after I did it, because I was thinking to myself, I bet you, even if I would have saved him, I still would have caught this dude anyway. So I'm like, why didn't I just do that anyway? Oh well, unlike unlike you, I didn't regret my decisions of stealing or. <laughs> I, um, what about you? I guys? ended up saving him, and I kind of second guessed my decision because I like I made it like really quickly. It was a split second decision, and then I noticed it like right when I pressed the button that the probability of him surviving was really high, and so I was just like, "Oh man, I could have caught that guy." But now that Greg said, you know, it would have, you know, made Hank mad, I'm glad I did save him because it kind of helped um, increase um, his. Yeah, yep, yep, that's, yep. I was like, I want to stay on Hank's good side, so. Um, Do you remember what you did, Dante? Yeah, I definitely saved Hank. Um, Good man. Seemed like the right thing to do. It was a split second type of thing, but um, I'm not a monster. Alright, well, do you guys have any questions? Or I have one. I've been pretty much asking that throughout, like, uh, throughout our playthrough, but I just have one left I have to ask. Okay, well, do you guys like the story skipping around? I know, like, the way we delivered it now was just, like, we kind of saved one character, but do you guys wish you could have done, like, it? they broken it up in, like, three different sections? No. You, you prefer to bro- That wouldn't have worked at all. Why you said that? It'll make more sense once we get further in the okay. game, but you want it to be chronological like it is. Okay, because I was thinking, like, I don't like the game, but, like, Resident Evil 6, where, like, the other characters that you played in the game drop in and out, so you just choose the character that you want to play, and so you can see, like, this story, you know, the Chris's story, or, um, I forgot, what, uh, Leon's story, or Ada's story, and you can just kind of play throughout theirs, and... Didn't some of those stories intertwine? Or yeah, they intertwined, because that's what I was saying, because, yeah. like, with Connor um, Connor and Kara, they intertwined one of the chapters. So far, of the 16 chapters we played, there's only been one that intersects. But, like, I'm assuming that happens a little bit more often in the back half of the game. Especially if Connor has cases for both Kara and Marcus. So. Yeah, I kind of like the Game of Thrones style um, of the, the narrative. Um, and a guy at my job, he was actually, um, 
pretty excited when I told him that we were playing this game. And because um, he said it's like one of his favorite games from, I guess, recent years. But um, oh, so he said a question. <laughs> I should have asked him for one. You didn't. You didn't plug the email. Janitor the at trevorsjob.com. <laughs> um, I did plug the podcast, but um, but he told me there's a really big payoff for you know the storytelling. Gotcha. Oh, uh, well, do you guys have anything or? I have one question. So oh, before you can go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask, like, we talked a lot about this game, but we haven't said how beautiful it is. And I just wanted to make sure that it gets its due for, like, all of the stuff artistically and graphically that it's performing on the current-gen consoles. Because it really doesn't seem like it should be possible at times. Specifically... I kind of wish I was playing it on a... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, specifically Marcus's chapters seem very um i guess the color palette seemed very well thought out like especially that opening scene with him um walking through detroit um i think that one really um like establishes the um like the setting really well um and then him in the um like that pit the the android graveyard i thought that one was really cool mm-hmm. See, I think that intro scene with Connor at times was borderline CG quality. Talking about with the quarter? I... The, the quarter stuff was cool. Like, the whole rain effect was cool and just how everything was interacting. And um, there's a lot of physics going on right there with, like, the helicopter's wind making Connor's clothes ripple and stuff. And it just seemed like a very realistic shot that I'd actually see in, like, a CG movie. Yeah. And and technically, um, like, the... I guess the, the character interaction, like, the character... The characters are very responsive to, like, stuff in the environment. So I don't know if, like, when you were in that first scene playing as Connor, like, when you're walking outside, like, towards the, um... Uh, towards the Deviant... And you're brushing past objects. Like, if you move close enough to an object, he'll actually use his hands to, like, shift it to the side. And I've noticed that in a couple of other parts of the game, too. And when it pretty much goes without saying all the facial animation stuff is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was going to say earlier, I kind of wish I was playing this game on, like, a PS4 Pro, because, like, I mean, just playing it on, like, my monitor or whatever. I'm not even playing it on my on my you know, 4K TV or whatever, but it even looks good on that, like. Yeah, this game is pretty. Agreed. (laughs) Um, do you got any, did you have a question, Trevor? Okay, so my question is kind of a two-part question. You can answer whichever one you want to, but if, if you had an Android, like one of the ones from the game, what what kind of job would you give it? And then the other side of that question is, if you were an android from this game, what job would you want? Wait, so we have to answer both, right? No, you you only have to answer one. If you want? Uh, I guess a maid, right? I'll get, that's what I want is uh, to have a android be a maid. That's probably about it. I'd be a sex bot. 
<laughs> you would be the sex bot. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I think the maid is like the easy answer as far as like what I would want to like what you would want to have. You know. Yeah. So, I think it's more interesting to think what would I be, and like, I, I I don't think anything would be like oh yeah I would love to do that but maybe that. <laughs> <laughs> I, huh. See, my first thought was I'd want one that could do my job for me. That's what oh, I was yeah. thinking too. And then you would have no job. <laughs> so, so that's fine. It's an interesting conundrum. You wouldn't have. He's going to make the money anyway, no, right? Was he going to? No, do you it? wouldn't have. No, it, the, the whole point of having androids is you don't have to pay them. Well, exactly. But if he if he does his job, he's just collecting the paycheck, right? Yeah. It's. I invest in the Android, and then pretty much the Android is my source of income from. Them. But, but why like would your employer? If, exactly. Well, the, he he can't collect the paycheck. The but, Android can't. What I'm, what I think, what maybe me and Trevor are saying. Oh, he's saying if if oh, your if, yeah. if your employer saw that you weren't working, then they one they would be like, well, we're not going. Isn't this a problem that the people in this game have in the first place? Yeah, the one they're going to be like, oh, well, what's the point of paying Dante? Then they're going to think like even bigger, like, what's the point of paying anybody? We could just get exactly. Androids. Why don't we get just buy androids. androids in bulk? They're cheaper. <clears throat> So yeah, that that one's off the table. Um, <laughs> Sex bot. No, I, I can't. If I was an android, I would want to be somebody's friend. Be the running bot. Like you, they have the athlete bots. You can be an athlete, a professional. You're right. One. Let me do that. Let me do that. Put me in, coach. <laughs> I don't get torn ACLs. <laughs> I don't get concussions. Oh man. That would be so unfair. It's just like, oh man. What about you, Trevor? Now, now you're making me think of the insidious side of it, where it's like, well, these androids, we can repair them. They got Tom Brady on their team. Why don't we just kind of wreck this dude? We can fix ours for a couple thousand. That man's not getting up again. Right? And you still probably wouldn't have to pay androids either. <laughs> You'd have like more, it's more salary to have better... Players on your team. Better human players. So my one other quick question is, if you had one device in your house that could be sentient, what would it be? But it would still do its mm. job? Yeah, so like it's not going to grow hands and do anything special, but essentially it is a living, thinking piece of machinery. I'm going to say something weird like my refrigerator. Dang it. Uh, that's what you're thinking. Hello, Greg. I see you've been eating a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I would just be like, "What's it? What, what, what's what you got? What you got? You know, like, like so that way we wouldn't have to open up my refrigerator to know what's in it. Hmm. But then also, I could just get a refrigerator that you know, I guess if it's in the future or if I have enough money, then I could just have the fridge that has the inventory. Actually, you know what it'd be? It'd be the oven because then I could have the oven like turn itself off. And on, so I wouldn't have to be there to, yeah, it'd be the oven, so I could cook without having to be there, so I wouldn't have to worry about burning the house down. Well, you still have to put the food in there. I mean, I know, but what I'm saying is, is if I put the food in for like two hours, or not not two hours, but if I put the food in for 45 minutes, I could go leave the house and go do something, oh, and then get, like yeah. it's, the oven's not going to be on for the entire time I'm away, you know? 
Also, just set a timer. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I guess I set a timer, but the thing is, is like nobody's going to be there to turn the oven off. No, I thought. Well, I might be wrong. I thought that was some oven, like a timer that like actually shuts off the oven after like. Oh no, the timer after just, the timer just lets you know, man, you don't cook, do you? <laughs> no, I mean, I do. I, I'm just saying, I swore that was like it on might my be oven. A smart oven. Yeah, I thought that was on my oven, but I, I could be wrong. Oh, well, if you got it like that, then my bad. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have the oven app? <laughs> Just Bluetooth controlled? I I think mine would probably... I'd like to say my PC, just because it's so versatile. I don't want my PC my... talking about what's on it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, man. It's like, hell, I've, I've looked at your search history. This is, um, <laughs> this is some interesting stuff here. Well, you wouldn't, need, you wouldn't need to have weird search history if you were a sex bot. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I think Trevor he hey, he got disconnected or something. So um, we uh, we I'm assuming we don't have any questions. Nah, there are right. no questions. Well, but you guys, you guys already know the deal. Yeah. Hit us up. Any, any of those Twitter bots out there that want to hit us up? Yeah. <laughs> um, Talk about your people. You can hit us up at. Uh, mischeckpoints at gmail.com via email or on Twitter at mcheckpoints. I think that's right? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Alright. So. And where can people find you? Either of those two. And where can people find oh, what'd you? what you say? Where can people find you? Oh. Uh, man, I'm, uh, I'm everywhere. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at boomboxhero. Uh, Facebook, Facebook is boomboxhero as well. And on Twitch at twitch.tv slash xdrd magnegro x where can people find you Dante people can find me at twitch.tv slash awaken cloud I've been going through shadow of the tomb raider recently and I'll also be going through um what was the other game I think I'll try delta rune pretty soon so look forward to that um, you can find me uh, at Potato Salad on Twitter, and like I said, Trevor's out. I think he got disconnected, um, but they can watch him stream Detroit on Twitch at Lyric Unsung. Um, I saw him earlier playing, not today, but like when he was playing earlier earlier chapters, and uh, yeah, it, it's it's also fun to watch. So check him out. And um, does anybody got anything else? Alright, cool. Well, we are mixed checkpoints and we are out. Peace.